I feel like it's really important for people to just understand that we're all just on a journey, you know, and like wherever you are right now is not wrong. And that even if it doesn't make sense right now, it's going to at some point. And I know that it's really easy now for people who are new to me to meet me and I can say, you know, oh, you get to create anything you want and la 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 la. And I know it's really easy for people to just dismiss it because it's like, well, it's all right for you. You've got this or you've got that or your business is blah, 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 or your energy is this or you've got a husband and a house and a, all, you know, whatever it is that people are desiring and feeling they don't have or they don't know how to get there. That's the biggest thing that people ask me. People usually come <laughs> attached to, I can't see how. And honestly, any of those junctions that I've described today, I mean, there's been so many, as you can hear. And if any of those I had stopped to pause to question how, I wouldn't be here having this conversation today. I'd be in a very different life to the one I am now. I just trust that I'm always in the right place at the right time. I will always be resourced in the way that I need to be resourced and that I'm on my path. You know, I'm having the journey I was put here to have. That's what I believe. And so even if it feels hard right now, just know that before too long, you will come through it and it will make sense. And one day you'll be sharing this story and people will be listening to that story saying, oh, I really needed to hear that. Hello, and welcome to the Natural Healthcare Network podcast. My name is Deb McLeod, and I really appreciate your sitting in and listening in. Today, I am delighted to say that Laura Husson is joining me. She is a subconscious transformation coach. I've asked Laura to join me today for a variety of reasons. I have worked with her on my own personal journey. She also has lots of insights to share about businesses that she has started. She talks about imposter syndrome and she talks about her own health journey. I felt all the information that Laura had to share was really insightful for any practitioner or coach and particularly for those of us in the healthcare industry. So I hope you enjoy hearing her story and the information she has to share with us as much as I did. Thank you so much for coming on my show today. It really is an honor to have you on my podcast, Laura. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for inviting me. <laughs> of course, of course. So you are a subconscious transformation coach, but you have you have a lot of history. And I mean that yes, in the nicest <laughs> I'm not in the nicest possible way. And you're my coach, really, as well. But we're here today to talk about a variety of things. One, we're here to talk about your personal story, because I think for healthcare practitioners that are the primary audience listening to this, it's really good for them to hear about coaching and what coaches go through. Mm -hmm. um, but we're here to, to talk about your personal story, because I know you've had things happen from a health standpoint, but also just to talk about what you're doing, what you're doing going forward. And we're just going to see how it evolves um, as a discussion, sure. if that's okay with you. Sounds great. Okay. Okay. Well, take it away. Let's talk about you. Let's just go on. <laughs> I love it. Uh, well, what, what would you like to know? Where would you like to start? Well, you've mentioned a couple of times um, in 
the the sessions are, we will talk uh, talk about how we met which i think is really quite entertaining but <laughs> you have mentioned you have mentioned before that you had some health issues you had chronic fatigue yeah. so i don't know um if you you know I, what i've wondered is how did you how did you deal with that because you were a teacher you're a what you were a were a teacher you were a web designer yep. and your business coach but how did you because chronic fatigue it can be quite debilitating so yeah. I think it'd be interesting to hear that part of your health journey if you don't okay. mind sure thing so oh gosh it's always so funny when I go back here it's almost like I've done so much work myself on this the attachments and the meanings I made to having and living that experience that it's almost like I'm telling somebody else's story now when I speak about it I'm so far removed from it that it's almost like Am I, is this even true? Like, am I telling the right thing? So, so bear with me while I piece this back together. But when I was a teenager, I, I went through some pretty profound trauma when I was a teenager relating yeah. to my birth dad. And do you know about this? I don't even know if you know about this or. No, I know that you had said that he was a cheat and repeat kind of. He was, man. yes, yes, he was. So, so basically, in a nutshell, and this is where it really sounds strange when I say this because people are like, "What? How can she just say that like that?" <laughs> it's, it's literally like a soap opera. Um, so, him and my mum divorced when I was seven or eight, and I hero worshipped him so intensely. And when I got to about the age of thirteen, he'd caused so much emotional damage in our family that my mom had taken the decision that like we were just not to have any contact with him for a while. It was just too damaging, too toxic, too all the things. And we were going to just, just be on our own paths for a while. And I was not accepting that. So in the mornings before school, I was going out and going to the like pay phone, the phone box on the corner by the bus uh, station, the uh, bus stop. And I was um, like collect calling is that how we call it? Like reverse, you don't even do that anymore, do we? Reverse charging the calls to their house because I didn't have any money for phone calls. And his wife would pick up and um, yeah, I spoke to him. I can't remember how many times, but a good string of times. And then one morning when I called, um, she told me that he, so he used to drink a lot. I'd seen him have accidents on his motorbike. He was also in the police. There was all kinds of things. But one morning um, when I, yeah, when I called, I was told that he'd had an accident on his on his bike. And then when I called back, whether it was a day or two days, again, I forget the timeline now, um, I was told that he'd passed away. And Ooh. it was a real shock because at this point, more than thinking, oh my gosh, and understanding, because I'd never lost anybody in my life at that point, I was really getting to the place of, how am I going to tell my mum? You know, like, how am I going to tell my mum that I know this and I've been going behind her back and having these calls? So it was a real, like, there was emotional trauma for, on lots of levels stored in my body at that point. I was told that mum, you know, don't set, don't worry about telling your mum. I'll tell your mum. Everything will be taken care of. And so I just waited. And like I said, I didn't know how long I was supposed to wait, if it should be a few days, if it should be a few weeks. I wasn't really sure. So I just waited. And it went on and I got to about six weeks where I realized mum hasn't said anything. So is it that she doesn't know or is it that she's not saying because she thinks I don't know? And it all just was really, comp it was so like mental torture, mental and emotional torture. 
And I just lived with it as a secret after that point, because I got to the point where I was like, well, I can't tell her now that I've known all this time. And how do I explain it? It was just a a real mess. And so all the way through growing up from that time around 13, I just had no voice. I was just defeated. I I didn't trust myself to speak in case I like tripped myself up or let this big secret out. I didn't tell anybody. I think I told two or three of my closest friends um, and that was it. I didn't feel I could trust to tell any adults because they would probably want to tell my mom and which would have been the right thing to do. (laughs) (laughs) And um, so I just lived with that. And as I got older into my teen years, I I was a competitive swimmer and I was competitive swimming um, locally and nationally um, and on the, on the path of I was being coached for tryouts for Team GB for the Olympics, which had been my dream. That's what I wanted to do. Wow. And we got into this really intense training schedule and I just I just could, I had no energy. My body was like, I was doing lengths and I was, I was just being that teenager that I felt like I looked lazy, but I just couldn't, I couldn't get, I couldn't, I lost my everything. And I had, what had I done? I had, I had to drop out of school. I was on in school for A-levels and I had to drop out of that because I had just had no energy for that, no energy for anything social. And I think we all probably thought I was suffering some kind of depression And I was scared because I thought at some point I'm going to have to tell people what's been going on because I think probably I'm just like, can't handle this anymore. And then eventually, I I don't remember the ins and outs, but it was quite intense. And eventually I got the diagnosis of having chronic fatigue syndrome, or as they call it then, ME. And um, I didn't accept it, really, because I felt like, well, I know things you don't know. And so I know because, and I think, so this, in a way, this was my saving grace, I think, because the fact that I had this information that nobody else had, I just decided that, well, if I know that I have this and I believe that this is what is holding me from being able to step into feeling better and getting my energy back, then I have the solution in my hands. But I wasn't willing to access that. I wasn't willing to do that. It felt like too big a risk. So I felt like in a way, and I can only identify this looking back now, I was almost in this strange self-punishment place for having snuck around and, you know, well, this is what you get kind of thing. So I limped along for um, probably about four years and I kind of somehow stumbled my way through college, somehow got myself into university, went to university and it was all a little bit stop start and everything was very average, right? I averaged my way through my higher education, um, but still attending and still getting it done, which is great. And then when I was about 21, I remember my mum, I was back home for a weekend for my friend's wedding and I sat, I came into the lounge, I'd left the wedding early and I came into the lounge and my mum sort of look, had her friend there and she looked me up and down and she said, has she been drinking? You know, is she sober? Can we tell her this? And she's, she sat me down and she said, um, your dad called here tonight. And oh. my, I will never forget, like my mouth, I had a piece of chewing gum in my mouth. This is probably why I don't like chewing gum now. <laughs> I had a piece of chewing gum in my mouth and it turned to dust. So the chemical reaction in my body was so strong that this piece of chewing gum is all I could focus on. Like what she'd said, there was just no feeling other than, oh my gosh, I'm never going to get all this dust out of my mouth. That's all I could focus on. So I was in the bathroom, just like, 
oh my gosh, get it out, get it out. And then it started, oh gosh, what does she know? What did he say to her? And then I started to question, did I even make all this up? Like, did I, did this really happen? Like, you know, or did I just decide that happened as a teenager and now I just believe the story because I've told it to myself so many times? Yeah. And it was really, really, really difficult. What happened on the flip side of that is I miraculously released myself of all of the tiredness and the stress and the like heavy fatigue and everything else that I had been holding I just, it just felt like it evap- evaporated. So I was definitely carrying emotional trauma for a little while. It went away. And then, um, probably about a year and a half later, I was training to be a teacher. I went traveling all the things they told me not to do and I would never be able to do. And then I, I, um, did an extra year of training to become a teacher. And in that, that was when I hit it again. I hit again into like, oh gosh, the tiredness is back. The weight loss, the sudden weight loss is back. All of the things. And for me, it's really been a journey of every time it comes, like, and I'm in, you know, air quotes, every time it comes, I know there's a deeper level for me to sink into in uncovering the things that I'm not facing. And as soon as I do that, I alleviate myself of the symptoms but it has been extremely debilitating. Like my swimming career was gone. Um, my high school time was gone. My social life as a teenager at 18 was gone. And yeah, there's been a lot of work to do to alleviate myself of the responsibility and the burden that I carried because of that, because I believed I thought myself into all of that. So did you, gosh, that's, and that's extraordinary that you yeah. carried that all those years. Did you tell your mom? Did you ever say to her, I thought he was dead? Yeah. Well, actually, the funny thing is that when he called, she, when she recited the conversation to me, she said, you know, well, I told him, well, I just presumed you you died. You know, we didn't hear from you. Because in all that time, true to somebody who would have died, we never received a birthday card or a Christmas card, like nothing. There was nothing. Um, and so it would have been right to presume, well, he's no longer here. And so for him to call out of the blue and, you know, not even to check, do I have the right number just to say, is she there? And it was just strange. I was even back home at my parents' house that weekend. Like when I say my parents, my mum and my stepdad, who I now call dad. Um, it was just strange that I was at home when he called. Um, I was given his number or, well, mum said, I'll hold his number if you want it. She said, I've told him that you will call back if you want to. And I did tell my mum what had happened, told her all the ins and outs and what I'd carried. And that was difficult. And obviously it was difficult for her. And now I'm a mother of a daughter and I can, you know, and a divorced mother of a daughter. So I can only begin to imagine how my mum must have felt knowing what I had been doing to myself and by myself. Um, And yeah, it's, it's definitely... There's definitely some trust stuff, I would say, still present for us in terms of, you know, who's hurt who and like what's going to happen in the future and all of that. And occasionally that has a a flare up for me and the responsibility I carry in that relationship. But despite all of that, I did make the choice not to call him. I did make the choice not to follow up, not to ask questions, because in my mind, it would be reliving the trauma all over again. You know, it was like, really sat with it for a long time, had a lot of counseling, a lot of therapy. And it was like, is there anything he could say that would ease 
what I have felt or would allow me to trust him or would explain me having lived with that presumption or that that belief for that amount of time and there really wasn't so for me it was just I don't need anything from that and I'm able to process it and work through it without having to open that can of worms up again um yeah so that was when was that that was oh my gosh 2000 2001 somewhere in there so yeah it's been quite the time and then since again never a birthday card never anything never a follow-up just that one flash in the pan phone call and that was that so yeah <laughs> wow wow I mean I'm just I, I need to sit down for a minute and just I know of- <laughs> <laughs> and isn't it funny like I said I did warn you that it does sound funny yeah, yeah. that I can say all this without getting yeah. emotional and yeah. you know it's it does feel like I'm telling somebody else's story I mean it would make a great movie plot <laughs> yeah <laughs> now I understand that I have various things in my life where I look back at that and I go wow you know was that really me did that really happen and I think maybe that's just a, a sign of that you've moved through it I don't know I think I, so. I'm not sure I'm not sure yeah. I mean, they, these things creep back, but it sounds like you had some really good support to, to pull you through it, which is, which is great. So yeah. do you, so you moved, so from that standpoint, you were, you were studying to become a teacher and you did become a teacher. Yes. And did you feel at that time that I know you, I, I've heard this story and I love it, but of course <laughs> no one else, unless people who are working with you are listening to this podcast. Um, but, did you know, or did you feel like, okay, yeah, that's it for me. I know this is, this is my calling. And then, and, well, you still are a teacher, really. Yeah. Well, this <laughs> is it. Idea. I mean, I, I know that I have teacher within me. I know that I have role model within me. It's really important to me. You know, this is one of the things I'm always saying is I know I'm here to be the example. I'm here to be the example of what's possible. I'm here to really just stand for the transformation that's available And that was the same. And that was true when I was teaching in a classroom with, you know, children as young as five and then teenagers. It's the same with my children. It's the same with my clients and in my business now. So when I was teaching, I did feel completely lit up and I did feel like, oh, this is just the best. I get to like hang out with these kids. They fell in with friends, my little buddies. (laughs) I just loved it. And, the you know, I had great relationships with the parents. It was absolutely my calling in that time. And when I had my daughter, I was about seven years into my teaching career and I'd made it my mission to not just be a classroom teacher, but I wanted to change the face of teaching. So this is the recurring theme for me. It's like, I don't want to just go in and contribute. I want to go in and I want to change things like drastically beyond recognition. And so I was working on um, a new curriculum here in the UK and we a creative curriculum where we got to bring all the skills that were required in for the curriculum into one creative way of teaching. So it was project-based. It really harnessed all my entrepreneurial passion because it was like, okay, year sixes, let's start a garden center. Each group has got five pounds and by the end of this, and, and it brought everything in and I loved it. And then we had a change in government and the whole thing, two years of work got thrown out. And it was painful. It was really painful. And again, it was that feeling of, you know, is nothing I do, like, is there nothing I can do that's enough that people actually are like, actually, this matters and we want this. And so I did attach a lot of meaning to, you know, me not being good enough and that, that, you know, if I had done something differently, it would have been, it would have been different. And it was then that I knew that teaching was 
not going to be staying in my long term because when I went back to how it was before that creative curriculum like flash of hope it was just so much red tape it was so soul destroying to be in the classroom with children and to be the whole time having to tick all these boxes and follow all these rules and regulations when really all I wanted to do was really focus on their own self-worth and their self-belief that's what I felt was most important so I lasted about seven years in teaching and yeah then when I had my daughter I was in senior management I was head of science I was doing this creative curriculum thing and then it was just like well I'll go back part-time but I was kind of doing a full-time role in part-time hours and I was I'd also accidentally started an online business in this time (laughs) and as you do and um, I couldn't be all the things. I was getting close to burnout again because I was trying to be mom. I was trying to um, do all the things and I was just stretched. So, Mm. yeah. And what what was your business that you were doing online? Is that related to, to, I mean, what was that? Oh, that was, no, that's not related at all. It's so funny. I, so it's, it's related in the way that I have an experience and then I want to share it with others. That's how it's always gone. And so the experience I was having that I wanted to share was I was obsessed. I had a revelation. I had a baby that never wanted to be put down. And so I became obsessed with baby carriers and baby slings. And, um, one of my closest friends really sadly had a stillborn baby And so we went on a um, big fundraising campaign for the Stillbirth and Neonatal Death Society here in the UK. And um, I was just like, wow, all these mums on this baby forum, I was like prolific on this baby forum. It was before the days of Facebook really was established. And it it, it was one of those things where you get a certain amount of stars and certain badges if you had a certain amount of posts. So I was like, I'm going to have this many by this time. It was like so goal driven. It was ridiculous. But I I knew people there. I had real friendships and real connections with people that at that point, back in 2009, people were like, you're just talking to strangers on the internet. And I was like, yeah, but they're mums and they're like me. And, you know, I'm a stranger on the internet to them. That doesn't mean there's anything wrong with me. So what happened was there were a lot of mums there all on maternity leave who all had similar obsession with baby slings like I did. And they were, oh, well, we can't afford to keep buying all the ones we want. So I set up a um, kind of try before you buy scheme. It was just supposed to be a loan scheme where I would I wanted to buy one basically that I couldn't afford because I was on maternity leave. So I was getting resourceful. I was like, okay, how can I make this happen? So I thought, I know if I get it and use it for my trip, because it was like a lightweight UV, blah, 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 or use it in the hot weather one. Um, if I buy one and use it for my trip, then perhaps other people will want to like borrow it and they can make a donation to the charity. That would be great. So I posted this in the forum and I went away for about four hours. And when I came back, there were nearly 130 replies with people saying, I want it on this day. I want it on that day. And I was like, oh, this is a thing. (laughs) So I reached out to the um, manufacturer and I just said, look, this was my idea. We're raising money for this charity. It's really important to me. Um, Would you be able to negotiate a disc? Would you be interested in negotiating a discount? And she donated three carriers. I was like, whoa, I only thought I was going to get one, but now I have three. This is brilliant. So as soon as I had three, 
I was like, well, if she feels like that, maybe other manufacturers might feel like that. So I started sending this letter off to all these different manufacturers. And within 10 days, I had commitments and baby carriers on their way to me arriving on the doorstep that almost reached 2,000 pounds. So it was insane. And before I knew it, it was this huge thing that had like so much coordination of like postage and tracking and oh, it was crazy. And then it went a step further because once they tried them, then they were like, well, now I would like to buy one. So can I buy through you or do you, you know, and I was like, well, I guess I'm setting up a baby sling website so people can try before they buy. There was a, it was just a whole thing, very organic, just followed the nudges that came. And we raised over 10,000 pounds for the stillbirth and neonatal death society in the first three months of operation, which is amazing. Yeah. That's incredible. It was incredible. Yeah, it was fun. And and this was while you were doing the teaching because you've got quite a story about. Yes. That I want to, because I, I, I love that you've done this and I want to talk about your following the nudges and I'd like to also address your ability to share your vulnerabilities because I think as coaches, practitioners, therapists, whoever, people are afraid of showing their vulnerabilities. So I'd like to Definitely. address that and say, oh, this, we could talk for five hours. Or oh, more. we could. Okay. <laughs> so I'd, I'd like to pull those in. And, and I do want to talk about your amazing business and what you're doing, because you are, I mean, you've certainly transformed my life. Mm. And that is no small thing to say, but you know that because <laughs> we've talked about that. But, you know, so if we talk about because you were teaching then and then you made a big decision then in your life, didn't yeah. you? Can we talk a little bit about that? Yeah. I made a string of big decisions in a very short space of time. And um, oh, I got to about, where were we? I went, when did I go back to work? December. Yeah, I was about six months back after maternity leave doing the part-time thing. Now with this business that had attracted, you know, I just thought it was going to be a thing that would tick along in the background. It was it was a lot like, and I was doing it all myself. I didn't have any help. Um, and a mum now, you know, and a wife and everything was just feeling a lot. I was up till one in the morning, like doing the networking for the business, getting up early, trying to do the thing with the baby, trying to be at school. And I just felt like, oh my gosh, something's going to give, like I can't sustain this. And my vision had always been like, when I was a child, people used to say to me, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I used to rather pretentiously say, well, my job hasn't been invented yet. (laughs) (laughs) And if only I had known because there was no internet when I was a child. So of course my job had not been invented yet. You were so Yeah, but I always wanted to work for myself. That was always what I wanted to do. So I felt like, well, if I have, you know, I have huge evidence here that this is a thing. I've hit onto something that people really want. I never wanted a retail business. That was not in my plans. I didn't really enjoy it. I liked the buzz that it got. And I liked helping the mums who were feeling like, you know, I can't empower myself to get hold of the baby carrier that I want because my husband says no while I'm on maternity leave. And there was a lot, so there was a lot of coaching going on behind the scenes there, which I really loved. And I just decided that when if I could get my business to the place where it would match my teaching salary, then I would leave teaching. That's what I needed to make happen. And I very quickly realized that until I actually had more time, it was not going to be possible for me to increase my income from the business anymore because I'd hit a ceiling. 
And I, so I knew that I was going to have to leave teaching at some point. And in conversation with my husband, it was like, okay, let's give it a year and see how we go. Less than a week later, I went into school and I was in my, walking to my classroom to take my register and saw my, um, like teaching assistant. And so I just asked her if she could just cover me. I was like, I just need to go and have a chat with the head teacher. Can you just take the register? She was like, yeah, we've got this. No problem. And it was like an out of body experience. Honestly, I can't, I've never experienced anything quite like it since or before. Uh, It was like intuition carried me. And it was almost like I was having an out of body experience, hearing myself hand in my notice less than seven days after we'd agreed, let's give it a year. And I was stood in the head teacher's office that morning saying, I am handing in my notice. I can't, I can't do this anymore. I'm not being good here. I'm not being good at home. I'm not being good in my business. And I really need somewhere I need to be able to focus and find myself again. You know, I'm, I'm buried under all of these different hats I'm wearing. And so with, that was the, I think like September time. And so I left my job in the December. In this time, also my marriage to my daughter's father unraveled very quickly. And so in the January of, where were we? January 2010, I found myself single mum. Yeah, walked away from the family home with my 16, 18-month-old daughter, no income, <laughs> no like childcare, and no idea what on earth I was going to do. Um, it was a big, big move. I'm not even sure I'd say it was bold. It was just, it was not of me. You know, it was like, I am just like almost just following something that's going on. And I definitely at that time, uh, lots of conversation with my nearest and dearest, you know, really questioned again, my sanity. Like, and my mom, I remember her saying, this is just very quick. Like nobody leaves their husband and leaves their job. You know, (laughs) like in this, this is not how we do things. She's, you know, just slow down. And yeah, it all just felt so right. Even though it was hard, I knew that I was doing the right thing. And there wasn't a single moment where I second guessed and thought, oh, should I do this? I was just like, this is, this is happening. (sighs) Oh, wow. And um, I mean, that's like, yeah, deep breaths really Mm. (laughs) from this. Is that, did you have, you had coaching in the back of your mind at that time as well? Was that something you were thinking of? Because you were still doing the baby sling business, weren't you? Well, I would not consciously. Okay. Um, and actually for a very long time, it's only been in the last 18 months that I've really been happy calling myself a coach. I wanted every label other than coach because I was like, I'm not a coach. I'm <laughs> a mentor, a guide, a wing woman. Um, I can't remember the other things I've called myself, the hidden, the secret weapon. I've called myself all kinds of things except for coach. And it's only now that I really see, I'm like, oh yeah, I am the coach I am the guide I am that is all I'm all of that so no I wouldn't say it was I had some coaching at the time which was absolutely incredible um really life-changing and I remember just feeling so inspired by those sessions oh wow it would be so amazing to wake up every day you know going to work feeling like that that would be amazing in what was happening then was just more unfolding. So I went from doing the baby business to 
somebody locally was selling her like cloth nappy business and she approached me she was like would you be interested in buying it and I was like oh yeah it has a great name and a great following so yes we'll buy it so I did that and then um and then from there what happened was that business that baby business really gathered a lot of media attention very quickly and that was all due to the fact that I had somehow cobbled my way through growing an extremely large Twitter following very very quickly so I started to have people seek me out to say, well, how did you do that? And could you help us do it? So I s- slipped neatly into consulting about Twitter. And then I just kept meeting people. And then I'd built all my own websites. I'd built three of them by this point for my various like idea babies. And so one of the ladies I'd met right at the beginning of all this on that baby forum came to me and she ran a PR firm and she said, I've been getting quotes for my new website. And she p- showed me all the quotes the price ranges of them. And she said, the thing is, she said, um, everything they're showing me just doesn't inspire me. She said, and every time I'm just coming back to your stuff, she said, I know you built them yourself. Would you be interested in building my website? And I was like, oh, I guess I could, which is always my answer. Like, I guess I could do that. I guess I could. <laughs> and so I, she paid me like almost the same day. She paid me direct into my bank account. It was more money than I could have even imagined. And it was really the beginning of something. So we did that website or we, I did that website and yeah, about a year later, my now husband <laughs> um, <laughs> ended up coming into the business with me because I'd, I'd built, I sold the baby business to another woman, another mum who was one of my agents and then just went all in on being the website girl and really built a huge following and it was very based in ego and status and networking of really being the kind of, we were like the website agency that went on the vision board for entrepreneurs. People were like, I aspire one day to have you build, your team build me a website. And it was great. There was money flowing. We were known in the industry. It ticked all my boxes until I went to a business event in California in when was this fast forward now to 2016 August 2016 and the very first question that this guy asked was what do you want oh I just fell to pieces I was like I don't know but I know this isn't what I want and I just was lost I had no identity for such a long time you know because I knew that I didn't want to do the websites but we were so entrenched we had a huge team we had clients in flow we couldn't just pull the plug and at this point, my husband and I were both fully in this business. So all our money was coming through there. We had no backup and I felt trapped and like a fraud because on the surface, it all looked glossy and gorgeous and wow, she's made it, you know, but underneath I was feeling like, oh, this is not what I thought this would feel like, you know, that, yeah, elusive six figures that all the entrepreneurs dream of getting to. It's like, yeah, it's whatever. I'm not really huh. feeling it. And so, yeah, slowly but surely, I released the grip on that and ended up moving into what I'm doing now. (laughs) (laughs) Which is fantastic. I find it interesting because it's kind of like when you were a teen, you said you didn't really have a voice. You know, you felt like you didn't have a voice. And then you got into the website design, website design, and it's almost like you had a similar sort of experience. So what was it that led you into doing the the coaching and the the transformation Mm. work what was that well again it's a bit like 
it was hidden in, right? It's always been baked in. I didn't know this until recently, but it was baked in when I was doing the baby slings. I got to coach the mums through their confidence of crisis, a crisis of confidence. And it's the same thing with websites. Largely, we had women coaches, um, women health coaches, largely, um, who were our clients. And what would happen is they would have a huge up level in their branding. We'd go through a massive process. Everything looked so amazing. And then they would freak out. They would have a huge panic about being super visible. What does it mean about me if I'm seen? And so I, again, was doing this huge amount of coaching, wasn't listing it on the invoice anywhere. And it was kind of like a secret benefit of working with us. And But it was the bit I loved. It was the bit I really loved. And so I went... I didn't have any intent. I still didn't see that coaching was my calling. I went onto a live stream on my Facebook page and I shared that the way that I run my business is by following my intuition and channeling guidance from invisible powers of the universe. And I was really nervous because I felt like I was like outing myself in some way. It was really (laughs) scary. And what happened on that live stream was exactly the same as everything else that had happened before and continues to happen now is that somebody in the comments said, oh, where do I book a session? And I was like, oh, no, I don't do this for people. I do it for myself. She was like, but you could. And I was like, oh, I guess I could. And it was that whole pattern all over again. And we put up a link for, again, I say we, it was just me at that time because the rest of the team were website-based, um, put up a link, uh, just a PayPal link, thinking, oh, it'd be nice if she books. That'll be fun to like see what that feels like. And in the month of August, 2017, 47 people booked one-on-one channeled guidance sessions. And it was like, oh, <laughs> like Ooh. I could do this without having to book, I could do this and be like paid and help people without having to give them something tangible. Cause that was the attachment. I could do it without all the heaviness of having to build the website. Oh my goodness. And that, that was it. I was like, I literally dropped the rope on being the website girl because it wasn't fulfilling me. I wasn't getting any validation from it. And I suddenly saw that the value was just in me. And from there, it was just a path of like, okay, I channel guidance, I help people, I support people across the board, mostly in business. And then it went into um, teaching other people how to do that for themselves. And there was a block there. Like there was a block. I could teach people my process of how I channel guidance and they could do it sometimes when they were with me and they were really like buoyed up and feeling amazing. But then when they went away by themselves, it wasn't happening. And so I started researching like what are the, what's the blocks? Why do people get stuck? Why can't people access their intuition? And it led me down the subconscious path about like the barriers and the beliefs and how it all works and how I was like, well, I wonder if there was a way of reprogramming those or a way of like easing people through those, that would mean they were opened up to their intuition and they were opened up to self-trust and all of those other beautiful things. And yeah, that's how I got to where I am now. Because once I tapped into that subconscious transformation work, it was like everything we've just spoken about, All of it, that's why I'm at peace with it all. Because now mm. I understand it's like all of those experiences were relevant for me to be able to do this work for myself first. Because again, I'm here to be the example so that I can help so many more people free themselves of all these expectations that are imposed on us from such a young age. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Okay. I'm sitting here thinking, oh, gosh, what do I ask you? What do I ask you? It's really quite. 
<laughs> so do you um i love it so do you find with well first of all are you finding the work that you're doing now because you said that people were not able to do it. it and i understand that getting caught up in your in in the laura wave is wow i mean it is so <laughs> exciting and i and i yeah this is uh, gonna sound people will laugh but i wake up with you in my ear every morning because i sit down and i do my hypnosis and all of those wonderful things to help me with my own transformation and and mm-hmm. getting out of my old own head you know but are you finding that the people are able to go on as before they're not getting stuck without you? Yes. Oh, my gosh. And that's what feels so good. And sometimes, I mean, let's be real, there's dopamine involved. When we're in a group and we're, like, all connected, we're on a journey, everybody's like, yeah, let's do all the things (laughs) and let's run away and start a commune. (laughs) (laughs) And um, there's all of that vibe going on. And then when we go back to our, like, again, air quotes, real lives, it can feel a little disheartening because it can feel like, oh, well, can I do this by myself? I don't know if I've got what it takes. But the truth is that because of the way that we're shifting through the shift sessions journey, because we're doing it at the subconscious level, that change is permanent. So this is why it's devised to be six weeks plus a little bit of padding either side is so that people are really experiencing a shift on the subconscious level. Because as you know, even if it's just tiny, it has such a snowball effect. And so what I see now is even the people, because people then, some some of the people then come on to come and learn the method for themselves so they can go and do it with their clients. And other people come into my um, members community where they can come in again for, for more rounds. And it's just phenomenal seeing each person's path, right? The people who carry on, the people who don't carry on, but still come back to me and say, I'm still doing the hypnosis every day. I'm still tapping into this tool or whatever it is. And tell me the things that are happening around them, not just for them, but for the people in their lives all around them. And this is why for me, it's like, oh gosh, this is, this is the work, right? This is the work. And now it's like, turn the volume up, push the accelerator to the floor. Like this message needs to be shared. And so all of a sudden, all that journey that I've had and just shared becomes almost irrelevant because I'm just the messenger. And it it just taps me so deeply into purpose that nothing, I I literally feel unstoppable now because once I'm so deeply in my purpose, it's like, it's no longer about me. It's all to do with everybody that gets to be impacted and have their lives changed. Mm. So- I love that. I do love that. And it is so true. All of it is true. Um, I'd like to ask you about your ability to and your courage in being vulnerable with people, Mm. because I think as and I mentioned this before, as practitioners, we're not when we're talking to clients, you know, we're supposed to just be the 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 person that they, that people talk at and share their information. And there's a lot of discussion in with healthcare practitioners. A lot of people have their own health issues. So it's, do you share what your health issue is? Do you really let yourself be vulnerable? Does that really help the client or is that breaking a boundary? What was it mm. that guided you to allow that? Because you've shared some things with us as a, in the, the group about your mm. own personal life. What, what was it that allowed you to make that or compelled you to make that decision? I feel, yeah, I feel like for me, I've spent so long not doing that 
in my life that, and paying the price for not doing that, like paying the price for censoring myself and the toll that that takes on my energy. And as you know, from being around me, like my most important asset, one of my most important things I hold above all else is energy, is my energy, is the energy that others get to experience. And I'm just not willing to be available for censoring myself. And so I know that if I'm showing up in a way that's censored or in a way that, again, air quotes, should show up because that's the blueprint or that's the template, I'm not honoring myself. And if I'm here, you know, integrity is a really important, that is what I live by is is self-integrity. Again, if I'm going to be the example, I have to be in integrity. So I'm a really honorable example to follow. And by censoring myself, I'm not doing that. And by censoring myself, I'm not doing anybody any favors. And I I feel like if I censor myself, it's either because I think that people will judge me or that I think they can't handle it, right? I'm making assumptions as to what people are going to say if I'm 100% me. Whereas actually, if I put people fully responsible for their own opinions and judgments and experiences, and I can be as open door as possible, then actually there's a lot of permission there for people to go and do the same. And that's a really gorgeous place to be because when we're fully expressed and fully open, that's where we have abundant, never-ending, limitless energy, nowhere Mm. else. Mm. Because that's one of the things I think that you know, there's never any sort of essence that I get of you feeling in, uh, that imposter syndrome, which is so no. common <laughs> for coaches, yeah. for therapists, for any, you know, people in any sort of profession as they think, yeah. oh, I'm not real. And for you, you always seem to just be, no, this is, uh, this is just yeah. who I am and what I am. And <laughs> It literally is. And it's funny because I was just talking to my friend about this this morning and I was saying how I used to have a lot of that. Like I used to really have a lot of imposter syndrome all the time. And now it's just, and yeah, when I was the website girl, oh my gosh, all the time. I was like, you know, worried that people would judge us for the systems we were using or the, you know, the the theme that we would use or our code or anything. I was always worried that we were going to get like found out. And even, (laughs) even as a teacher, I used to literally laugh because I would sit and take the register and I'd be, have these flashes of somebody looking through the window in my class and going, What's she doing in there? She's not like allowed to do that. I had those thoughts all the time. And it's only now that I'm being fully me that I don't have that anymore. So it's gone. And it's because I've given myself that permission to just be, show up fully you. And there is no imposter syndrome because I can't, if I'm being fully me, I can't be trying to be someone else. I can only be trying to be who I'm here to be. And when that gets met, by amazing people like you and all the other incredible people that I've met on my journey. I mean, that's all the validation we ever need. Like I am constantly like telling my husband like, oh my gosh, look what they said. Look what happened. Look what's, you know, happening in so-and-so's lives. He knows all of your names, you know, he's like, oh, how's so-and-so doing? And it's absolutely incredible. So, um, yeah, it's amazing. Well, we're all part of the Chris fan club. He doesn't think we are, but or know who we are, but we are. We're all part of the Chris fan club. I, I love that because I think it's really interesting. It's that sense of with imposter syndrome, it's identifying whether you are in the right place at that time, much as where you're saying, well, in the teaching or in the website, or 
you know, so is that helping that person identify if they're in the right place, first of all, and finding their vision, which you are really, you know, that's wonderful with your program that you've taken us all through of identifying your purpose and taking mm. through it. That's been amazing. Um, <laughs> so I guess is that 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 uncovers that imposter syndrome? Is that so it's helping people align with whoever they are, regardless of what they're doing? Is that right? Totally. Because I truly feel like, when we're just in our own lane, I mean, like now, so I see, I'm not the only person to have the skill set that I have, but I am the only person to have my lived experience and that skill set. So there is literally nobody out there that I need to compare myself to because nobody has my stories. And I remember hearing people, I remember when I first came into this online world, hearing people have their like, rags to riches stories or like, you know, dramatic transformation stories. And I always used to think, oh, I haven't really got a story, you know, like I haven't really got a, which is crazy because I can hear now when I told you everything at the beginning, like of course, at that point in full transparency, I never thought I would speak publicly about what had happened in my life because I guess I was still carrying trauma from it. And it's only in the healing of that, that I'm able to actually speak about the fact I had so much shame that I was divorced you know, I had so much shame that I'd walked away from what looked on paper to be the perfect family life. Um, so much shame around what happened to me with my dad because I made it mean that I wasn't good enough or that I, he didn't want me or whatever else. And now I don't have any pain or trauma or stories around any of that. I understand they're just, they're things that happened. They were circumstances and I'm here to tell the tale, which is just amazing. And, and they're my stories for a reason. So I need to, I need to use them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love that you say that your niche is you. That was yes. one of the things that I just thought is so brilliant for anyone who's out there doing it and that people, the right people will come to you that need to work with you. I always really thought that was, it's a simple, but really deep thing to say. Yes, you know. it's really powerful. And I think, you know, I don't know how it is in with all your listeners, but I know that in my world, oh my gosh, the amount of ideal client avatar exercises I had done. And that was one of the things that used to make me feel like a fraud or like I'd never be able to cut it in business because I'd be like, okay, well, what magazines do they read? I'm like, I don't know. I just, I don't even read magazines. So I have no idea. I'll make up some magazine titles because there's a box I have to fill. And, you know, what car do they drive? I don't know. You know, and like, I mean, I don't know what car you drive. That doesn't mean that you're not like my dreamiest person to have in my experience. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. like when I suddenly, again, I gave myself permission to understand that when I just show up and when I really let myself be all of me and I feel that be received by people, then it doesn't matter what I write down on any kind of form or piece of paper. It just is. And so I now know, and this is the thing that I am able to say is, you know, I know that my energy is what draws people in. So my niche, my audience, my people are people who love my energy. And that's how I know we're a match. Because if, you know, you can go and get this kind of experience in all kinds of places and you'll find the place that is a match for you. I'm not trying to be a match for anybody, for everybody anymore, which I used to. So. Right, right. And is, I think that's really good. Well, we know I found <laughs> you by a Bellican and Gemma Cook who's the wellness warrior. I just love it. She had you on a live 
I was really getting all starry-eyed about the Belican, which we both love and we both have one. <laughs> um, and I, it was really funny. I just watched you and I thought, oh, gosh, she's, she's just so, there's something, there's something. And, you know, <laughs> here we are, here we are, which I, I love that. I love that. Um, so how do you, how I, I'm assuming, though assuming we know is dangerous, I'm, <laughs> I'm assuming that your health is really, you said earlier that you're well. So how are you feeling and how do you take care of yourself? Because mm. I know the energy that you pump into us as your clients and people who are working, you're working with. So how do you take care of yourself? Good question. So gosh, well, I'm amazing, firstly. Like, I feel so good. I feel good. like literally my shine has never been shinier right yeah. now. And, and you know, I'm tired. You know, I, I'm tired sometimes. But I'm tired because I'm pouring in. You know, I'm tired because in the right ways. I'm not tired like waking up in the morning going, oh, I can't get out of bed today. I'm tired at the end of the day when I'm supposed to be tired. And it feels lovely to experience that. And I will say that after the um, the Get Unstuck series, which is what you came through before the shift sessions, when I did that week, I was all in and I was wearing all of the hats. So I had only one person, me, my, my team was me and one other person, my assistant, Mary. And we, I did everything literally everything. Mary was new to the team at this point. And Mary at that point, she's just finished now, um, has been just finished a 23 year career in maternity nursing. So she started after the lockdown finished her first night shift was the night before the get unstuck series started. (laughs) So I was like, no. (laughs) So every single thing that anybody saw and people who are listening, unless they went through that, won't necessarily appreciate what that means or what that looks like. But, um, every ad, yeah, every ad, every graphic, every email, every post in the Facebook group, every reply to every person, every personal welcome video to the almost 500 people who registered. It was all me. Every single thing was all me. It was my plan. It was my execution. It was my follow-up. I was all on and I loved it. And I was absolutely buzzing the whole way through. And then when it finished, oh, the the exhaustion was real and that took me and I had what happened there was I had fear creep in of oh my legs are hurting that's you know my glands are feeling a bit swollen this is really like reminiscent for me that I've overdone it and what I know what I know now because of my tools and because of my training and because of who I am and what I do is that at, at that point when I recognize that the old me would sit in that fear and wait to see what happened and hoped I wasn't heading into a relapse. The new me knows that she gets to choose and she gets to make different choices and she gets to choose to prioritize what she eats, how she sleeps, how she feels, and most importantly, beyond all of that, what she believes about what's about to happen. And so I had to really dive deep right before we started the shift sessions into my own tools to rewire the pattern that was about to play out. And I know that it would have been so easy not to. It would have been so easy or inconvenient or I don't have enough time or energy to do that, to just go in and really reconnect. Okay, 
How could this look different? Is it ultimately true that just because I've really put a lot of energy out that now I have to have a crash? No, that doesn't get to be true. Not this time. And so while, yes, I did have a few days where I was like, oh, I can't talk. My voice needs to recover everything. I'm exhausted. Um, I still felt amazing. And then my energy came through and yeah, as you were present to, like it just felt like consistent energy. I was really, every single call I loved every single call of that journey. And it was hard for me to bring it to a close because I knew that, you know, not everybody was moving forward. And I was like, don't want to leave anybody behind. So yeah, I do feel amazing. And I know that it's it's not just a, okay, I've made the choice and now I'm better from chronic fatigue or that experience. It's actually, it's an ongoing choice because of that experience of being told I had chronic fatigue. I don't know if I did or not. And I don't need to know. I don't need a label for it. Um, What I know is I now know how to manage it and how to circumnavigate any future kind of dip or, yeah, ebb in my flow. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's good. That's really good because you've got, as you say, you've got the tools. And it isn't just one of the the important things with nutritional therapists, with any sort of health and well-being, is that it really is the encompassing everything, the food and lifestyle changes, which is really exciting that you've got it all going on. Um, (laughs) What, and I do mean that, (laughs) what, um, what haven't we talked about that might, that maybe you would like to bring up in our discussion? Is there anything in particular you would like to, to address? Feeling compelled? I feel like it's really important for people to just understand that we're all just on a journey you know, and like wherever you are right now is not wrong. And that even if it doesn't make sense right now, it's going to at some point. And I know that it's really easy now for people who are new to me to meet me and I can say, you know, oh, you get to create anything you want and la 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 la. And I know it's really easy for people to just dismiss it because it's like, well, it's all right for you. You've got this or you've got that or your business is blah, 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 or your energy is this or you've got husband and a house and a all you know whatever it is that people are desiring and feeling they don't have or they don't know how to get there that's the biggest thing that people ask me people usually come <laughs> attached to i can't see how and honestly at any of those junctions that i've described today i mean there's been so many as you can hear and if any of those i had stopped to pause to question how I wouldn't be here having this conversation today. I'd be in a very different life to the one I am now. I just trust that I'm always in the right place at the right time. I will always be resourced in the way that I need to be resourced and that I'm on my path. You know, I'm having the journey I was put here to have. That's what I believe. And so even if it feels hard right now, just know that before too long, you will come through it and it will make sense. And one day you'll be sharing this story and people will be listening to that story saying, oh, I really needed to hear that. Yeah. Yeah. I remember when you mentioned that, when you started talking about the how. And mm-hmm. I just really, I just, uh, I think that was one of those moments where I was messing. And I said this to you, I was working in my study and I was listening to one of your your sessions and I was catching up on a replay and I sat down and I thought, oh, she's really actually, she's got this. And that's what I loved was that you, because I'd heard all the, a lot of the other stuff before, but that's one of your big 
transformations mm. for, or was one of the big transformations for me. Um, and I also, just from my own standpoint, I loved the way that you took us along the journey, but you really held us in a way that allowed us to be in our own space and, but we felt secure and safe. And I thought that was, mm. um, it was really a big deal because everyone goes through so many things and I mean, yeah. just extraordinary. And I also thought it was fascinating because sometimes I think it's the smallest changes that really are the most profound, as we know from just so many other discussions, but just that little thing and people think, oh, it hasn't been that big of a deal. And you're like, well, yeah, because I know. A lot of mine, I didn't feel like they were that big, but they, they really were huge, yeah. you know, really yeah. big shifts in my life. So um, now I, I said this to you before, I, I like to ask this of everyone who comes on, what what could I do for you? Is there anything I could do to help you with? Because wow. well, I think you're amazing anyway, but what can I do to help you? <laughs> Well, I mean, me being here and having this conversation is a huge help because my mission right now is to get this message out. So if there are listeners who have podcasts, I'm totally open to being contacted about being on your show. And I especially encourage that when you are noticing the thought that, oh, well, I haven't really got that many listeners yet, or I've only just started, or, you know, whatever reason you might be coming up with as to why, whether it's me or somebody else might say no to being a guest just put the invitation out because people are typically, especially podcasts, people are always going to say yes. The amazing thing is that I like, the way I think about podcasts is that, you know, you never know what's going to happen with somebody. So you could say, you could, people who turn down because they're like, well, how many downloads do you have? No, I'm not coming on. That could be such a missed opportunity to build a beautiful relationship that podcast may be, you know, featured somewhere where it goes viral in two weeks and those episodes are always there. So it's just always gorgeous to have those conversations. So I'm always open for those kind of conversations and yeah, really just continuing the journey. You know, I, I want to know that you are on the journey and that you're doing your work and I mm -hmm. think that's it for me. So mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. That's, you know, yes, I'm definitely on the journey and I love it. I'm so <laughs> glad that I'm, I'm part of your group. So I Good. guess, well, um, I guess what we'll do is we'll leave it there for right now. I'm, I can't begin to say how much I really appreciate your coming on. It's just been great to have you on the show. And I, I think from a, a practitioner standpoint for, for people in the healthcare industry, they, there's so much of their own self-care that they really need that we all need anyone who is trying to to take care of themselves we all need it but i think practitioners who are really there in that space whether it's a coach or nutritional therapist acupuncturist whatever doctors etc it's having someone to be there to help them deal with the things and that was yeah. one of the I hope that's come across in this this podcast that that people could reach out to you or someone else um to help them on their own journey of being well so yeah. thank you so much Laura oh thank you so much it's been so lovely and I really appreciate the you know this has been a really different kind of chat for me and I really love the like being able to really reflect back on my own journey because I think that's something that yeah, like I said, there's a, there was a time not that long ago where I never thought I would have said any of these things out loud. And to be able to say it and not feel any kind of, you know, to just be able to say it, it's been a really gorgeous opportunity. So thank you so much. Brilliant. Oh, brilliant. Anytime. Well, until next time. How about that? 
<laughs> yes, deal. <laughs> well, folks, that's all for today. I hope you enjoyed sitting in and listening in to Laura share her story. I always enjoy and am amazed at people and their journeys and how they achieve so many great things. And Laura is one of those people for sure. I'll be sure and include all the information on how to get in touch with her on the show notes, including her website and, of course, details on her social media platforms. Now, on another note, I'd like to talk to you about a couple of other things, and one of them is, you got it, it's about that Belican. As you know, I absolutely love that Belican, and if it wasn't for that Belican, I never would have met Laura. So I owe a huge thank you to a couple of people. One of them is Debbie Kale of Debbie Kale Nutrition. If it wasn't for her, I never would have met Gemma Cook, also known as the Wellness Warrior. And she's the one who introduced me to Laura. So how can I say thank you. Not only is it helping improve my health and well-being, it's introduced me to some amazing people. I love it when things like that happen. And I can also wholeheartedly say that even though I have been bouncing for only a month, I have seen a marked improvement in my health and well-being. If you'd like to find out more details about the Bellican and how it can help you or your clients, please get in touch with me. I would be delighted to talk with you about it further. I'll also provide a link in the show notes. I am an affiliate and I am so proud to be connected with this amazing company. They are absolutely phenomenal. Now there's some other things I'd like to talk with you about. One of them is going to be about subscribing to my podcasts. Thank you to those of you who have subscribed already. And if you haven't, please do so. And if you feel there's someone who might really enjoy or benefit from these podcasts, please spread the word. It always helps. And I'm ever so grateful to you for doing that. Because don't forget, these podcasts are here to support collaborate, communicate, educate, and inspire one another. And if there is anyone in particular you would like me to have on the show, get in touch. I'm happy to collaborate with you. And I'd also like to talk to you about the event that we were going to have online in September. Changes are afoot on that. We are going to have many Instagram lives so you can meet these speakers. And I've got plans to have them on my podcast so you can hear more about their personal story. All of this is to gear up for our main event, which we have rescheduled to the 27th of March 2021 at Engineers House in Bristol. So be sure and put that date in your diary. Thank you again for joining me on the show. And until next time, I'd like to wish you and yours the very best of health. Bye for now. Bye.